0: This is the Aussie Animal Show on Triple A Radio. Welcome to the wildlife. My name is Rob Armstrong. This program begins with an update from Laurie Levy from the Coalition Against Duck Shooting. An update on the 2022 duck shooting season here in Victoria. After that, we'll have an impassioned plea from Italy and some no-nonsense comments from the UK regarding koalas here in Australia. Sit back, relax. This is the wildlife. Laurie, this year, duck season, on opening day, the very first news report I saw showed a blue-winged shoveler being brought out of the swamp.
1: Well, I believe field and game were out there on the opening Morning of the duck shooting season at Lake Bail Bail in northwest Victoria to make sure shooters behave. And they had sh- illegally shot a threatened bird in the first hour of the duck shooting season. They then shot another one that we found in the second hour. The first one was wounded. It was rushed to our mobile veterinary clinic where it had to be put down because of its injuries, unfortunately. And we, we brought out five threatened birds on that first day of the duck shooting season. But the, the difference is, Rob, that if you go back to the late 80s, early 90s, you'd go to Lake Bulloak and there'd be 10,000 duck shooters on that one wetland. Probably the best shooting spot on the opening morning this year was Lake Balbal and there were 50 shooters only, not 10,000. And that's how public opinion has changed the face of duck shooting over the years.
0: Laurie, it's, um, you know, socially unacceptable for sure. Recent surveys are reinforcing that point of view, but still the government allows it to
1: continue. It just doesn't make any sense. What am I missing? Well, we've got an election coming up in Victoria state election in November. We believe that it may change after that. But uh, we don't know. And we've had rescuers out, Rob, all the way through the duck shooting season. And quite frankly, you see two or three shooters only. Basically, what has happened is that public opinion has really destroyed the duck shooting fraternity. And duck shooting in this day and age It's one of those old male, macho, antisocial activities that has no place in a modern society. Social media was bombarded
0: with great video images that defy explanation. Things that shooters do every year and consider it acceptable, the average person sees that footage and says, no, that's just not on. Thank goodness you and your rescuers are out there. And thank goodness, modern technology enables
1: you to capture those images. Yes. uh, I I mean, the cameras you can buy these days are quite amazing. They're they're relatively cheap. And we capture so many illegal activities that shooters are committing. They wound birds, they don't bother to pick them up. And when they do, they don't bother to kill them straight away. and, And it Look, the, the violence and the cruelty that duck shooters inflict on our beautiful native water birds really goes right around the world these days. And it's one of those things where duck shooters come up to me in the street and they say, we used to shoot, but it wasn't you that stopped me. It was my eight-year-old daughter. And and, and that, that's what it's like these days. So what we're hoping is that the Victorian government we will get rid of duck shooting after this year's election.
0: Laurie, has there been any estimates
1: on the number of shooters that went out this season? Well, no, we, we haven't got an official figure, but I, I would say it, it would be the, the lowest ever. We, we've had rescue teams out every weekend of the duck shooting season and, and we're coming across two and three shooters only on a wetland. You know, even the Game Management Authority a couple of years ago estimated that there were only about 8,000 active duck shooters right across Victoria. That's down from 100,000 when we first started. So you can see that it's one of those old activities that really plays no part in a modern day society and, and, and it will come to an end. And Uh, Professor Richard Kingsford, who's been flying aerial surveys uh, right down the east coast of Australia since 1983, uh, keeps saying that native water bird numbers uh, have declined by 90% over the years. And that's mainly because of uh, climate change, wetlands drying up, less water in, in the the Murray-Darling system and other rivers, and yet duck shooting has taken a huge toll. Two species of birds that were on the game list, the blue-winged shoveler and the hardhead, were put onto the threatened species list this year, yet they're still shooting them illegally. But But it highlights that the only time governments really protect native species is when they reach that point of being threatened, where they reach that point of no return. Uh, I mean, what, what the government has to do is protect all native wildlife that's still plentiful and stop it from getting to the point of no return where it's considered threatened. And they've got to pour money in to try and save the species. doesn't make sense. But that's our politicians for you.
0: I'll tell you what else didn't make sense, Laurie, and I know you're always one for – you taught me very early on to keep on the issue, don't go into other areas. But you spoke about shooters coming up to you and talking to you. I I would like our listeners to get an insight into the insanity of your world. I'll take you back to 93 at Bull Oak when, I don't know, there were 50,000 shooters there that all hated you dearly. But they would line up in the street of Donald to get their photograph taken with you. <laughs> then there was yes. the duck off lorry bumper stickers that were being sold by the thousands.
1: Yes. Totally insane situation, Laurie. Yes, it is. But then again, then again, times change, Robin. And, and uh, you know, when we first went out to the wetlands in 1986 and there were 100,000 duck shooters across Victoria we went the first wetland we went to was down at Geelong down at Reedy Lake and there were probably 8,000 duck shooters on that particular wetland and and there were only 15 of us and we thought my god this is going to be a tough job but the reason we were able to bring the numbers of duck shooters down was simply because all the media was there and those media stories went went out right across Victoria and right across Australia and people in other states saw the news and they phoned up and said, great campaign, uh, we want to do the same thing in New South Wales and Western Australia and, 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 and that's how it all started. And, and, of course, Western Australia banned duck shooting in 1990. The West Australian Conservation Council over there fought it, and three months later, uh, the Premier Carmen Lawrence put out a media release on on the 3rd of September 1990, saying that uh, duck shooting is no longer acceptable in Western Australia, and the recreational shooting of native water birds was banned from that time on. Then, in 1995, Bob Carr. Premier of New South Wales did the same thing and in 2005 Premier Peter Beattie in Queensland put out a media release saying that that the cruelty was, was totally unacceptable and that Queensland was fully protecting its native water birds and he also said that Queensland is now the smart state for looking after its native water birds. Victoria's lagging behind it had has been for a long time. And I think now it will change. And quite frankly, we have beaten duck shooters simply by attrition. Public opinion has beaten them. It all that media coverage over the years changed public opinion. And the shooters are. Uh, are out. Even another duck shooting organization, the, the Australian Duck Hunting Association, which burst onto the scene a couple of years ago and they were going to become the major duck shooting organization. They lasted a year before they imploded. They've gone. So it's, it's basically all over. And of course, what will happen, Rob, as soon as duck shooting comes to an end, nature based tourism. Will be the big thing in regional Victoria. Bird watchers already bring in over $2 billion a year. So that's where the money is for small regional towns in Victoria. The, the Kerrang Ramsar wetlands, for example, will become Victoria's own Kakadu National Park.
0: It's a beautiful region. Peter Highlands from the Australian Wildlife Protection Council pointed that out exactly. And his comment was uh, Ramsar wetlands in Victoria are not a really nice place
1: to be during duck shooting season. They still shoot on Ramsar wetlands. And, and quite frankly, a wetland becomes a Ramsar wetland, Rob, when it has basically over twenty or 30,000 birds on it. And, and then they go in and shoot them. So it doesn't make sense. And quite frankly, the violence and the cruelty that duck shooters inflict on Australia's magnificent native water birds is coming to an end.
0: And Laurie, with, with that violence and cruelty, what sticks in my mind is There has been charges for assault and for breaches with weapons and uh, illegal activity. But to my knowledge, there's never been one duck shooter charged with
1: a cruelty issue. Is that correct? As far as I know, Rob, that's right. That's correct. Duck shooting is all about violence and cruelty to native water birds, yet even the RSPCA it was told by government that it wasn't allowed to prosecute duck shooters. And and the government knew that if, if the RSPCA prosecuted duck shooters for cruelty, there'd be a lot of court cases. So <laughs> they were banned. And, of course, they were banned by the very person who uh, runs the Game Management Authority, is the chairperson, and is also a duck shooter. So how, how, how big a conflict of interest is that? I would say he was the one that put the pressure on to get rid of the, the RSPCA. And, of course, the, the, the Game Management Authority then took over as, as the sole representative to prosecute for cruelty. And, of course, the Game Management Authority's job is to promote duck shooting as well as try and enforce it. They don't enforce it. Duck shooters get away with murder out there and basically uh, the Game Management Authority is a stooge to protect duck shooters and to promote duck shooting, but it has failed badly. And, and in fact, there was a massacre in 2017 at the Karanji Marshes and the government called an inquiry. Uh, they they hired a research team to look at the The competence of the Game Management Authority and the report, which was called the Pegasus Report, had stated everything that we had stated over the years, that that the Game Management Authority was just not capable of, of enforcing the rules during duck shooting season. We have a lot of wetlands. They had about eight or 10 compliance officers. And the other thing is, because of occupational health and safety regulations, those compliance officers weren't allowed to go into the water with duck shooters unless they were accompanied by fully armed police officers. So the whole thing's a crazy setup. And thankfully, it is coming to an end. It's taken a long time and a lot of hard work, Rob but it is coming to an end.
0: Look, we always knew it it was going to take a very brave state government to end it in Victoria because, well, Victoria was the mecca of duck shooting. So, look, I can understand occupational health and safety being important for all our service organisations, but they are supposed to service their clients and the game management unit's clients are the shooters. Who's managing
1: our wildlife? No government department looks after our native wildlife. And the role of looking after our native water birds, for example, uh, falls back on concerned volunteer members of the public who join the coalition against duck shooting. We take out mobile veterinary clinics, wildlife, Victoria, Uh, is out on the wetlands with their mobile veterinary clinics. They've got X-ray machines to to X-ray wounded birds. So it's volunteer members of the public that do the job and have done the job for 37 years of protecting and rescuing and helping our native water birds. And we're just waiting for the day when the government takes over it's real responsibilities of looking after Australia's native wildlife.
0: Laurie, it'd be absolutely wonderful if this is
1: the second last interview we do on duck shooting. Yes, I think it is coming to an end. And, and, and quite frankly, there are so few duck shooters around these days, Rob, that the government can get rid of duck shooting without any worries. I know that Premier Bob Carr, or former Premier Bob Carr in New South Wales, has paid the Victorian government a visit to say, look, if you ban duck shooting, the shooters will jump up and down for a couple of days and then it's all over.
0: Laurie, thank you for all the work you've done over the over the years and also that wonderful duck rescue team of yours. Please give them my best.
1: Yeah, we've got a fantastic team and the rescue team has always been committed And without that rescue team, Duck Shooters would be, well, they'd be doing what they wanted to out on the wetlands. It's the rescue team that has been at the forefront, the courageous. We had a rescuer shot in the face in 2011, and she was lucky she wasn't killed, and she was lucky she wasn't blinded, but she was rushed to the Horsham Base Hospital from Lake Bull Lake And uh, it is dangerous out there. Rescuers can't get insurance because insurance companies say what they do is too dangerous. But we have a wonderful, wonderful rescue team, and and I'm really proud of everyone.
0: Now we hear from Paola Torti from Italy, northwestern Italy. An impassioned plea for all Australians to stand up and do something to help our koalas.
2: Hi. Ciao. Hi from Italy.
0: May I just say thank you so much for all the work you've done supporting the Australian koala. Grazie mille. Thank you. Well, uh, if there was a message you could give to the Australian government and the Australian people, what would you tell us?
2: I am a lover of koala. I'm a support koala. We around the world love uh, the Australian koalas. Uh, During the bushfires, we cried for your beautiful animals. We donated a lot of money (laughs) to help Australia. And uh, we are um, all in the world very uh, concerned for uh, the status of uh, of the koalas in Australia. They are uh, endangered. My message is, is this. Please, Aussie and Australian people, stand up and speak out for your beautiful icons. Uh, they are endangered and they need your voices, our voices. They need actions from you and from us. I think that uh, Australians, please vote for the parties that cares about your environment and uh, your uh, animals, your koalas, kangaroo with facts, facts, not only with the election promises. Vote for your beautiful environment. What is Australia without uh, a beautiful nature unique wildlife, uh, koalas, kangaroos. And we from uh, overseas uh, come to Australia to visit uh, your beautiful country and uh, to see your unique wild, wildlife. Uh, but, but the essence of Australia is, uh, is the environment, is uh, are the animals, unique animals you have. So please, please stand up for them. We come to Australia and we want uh, to see your uh, animal, your koala, free and healthy in the wild, not uh, in the zoo or reserve, free. They they need the trees, so please stand up. And for the governments, for the Australian governments, please stop clearing habitat koalas. Stop uh, clearing forests. Where koalas live, they need trees to survive. Only trees, and with my heart, with the, my heart, I I said this.
0: <laughs> I know uh, you were a bit hesitant of doing this interview, but gracias, gracias.
2: Australia, don't lose your soul. Your soul is uh, you. Your unique environment and wildlife. You are a beautiful. Country. Your koalas deserve protection, love and respect. And also your kangaroos. I love uh, your kangaroos too.
0: Well, uh, thank you so much. This will go to air as a part of our next program. And we'll be in contact as we find out more about the Gordon 4 koalas in the Blue Gum Plantation.
2: Uh, for the Gordon koalas. Sir. I, uh, I urge the Environment Minister Lily D'Ambrosio and Delft to relocate garden koalas uh, in a safe habitat with primary koala trees, please. They need respect. There are, they are not only four koalas. They are your Australian icons loved all over the world and they deserve respect and protection. And uh, the world is watching you, Australia. Please, save your koalas.
0: Gary, a koala activist from Wales in the UK, has a real no-nonsense
3: approach.
0: (laughs) Gary, you are in the UK, yeah? Whereabouts are you located?
3: I'm actually in Wales, which is the West Country. It's uh, a, a big change from where I used to live, which is about an hour away from London. And in, over the years, I've just seen it change. It's gone downhill. It's just ridiculous. It's, they're all, they all want to be gangsters. So I moved um, I moved away and thought, right, this is lovely. And I think you mentioned yourself you've been to Wales, haven't you? Yes, yes. It is a beautiful place, mate. It's got such beautiful scenery. You know, It's not quite Australia, but we're trying.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to remember what the Oggies
3: Oggies like a not... pasty? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, pasties. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: We and discovered we got...
3: those as soon as we got into Wales. Mate, they're amazing. There's a shop just there's a shop for um, 50 yards from me and they make them themselves. They make minted lamb ones, but I'm now vegan, so I can't have them anymore. <laughs> Um But while it lasted, wow, they were just outrageously good. They phenomenal. Woo!
0: Koalas look, you've been working for a long time now, uh, on the koala issue. Um, I have, and I yeah. f- first heard of you because of your support for the Gordon plantation koalas. Can you tell right. us uh, what got you interested in koalas in the first
3: place? Okay, so the 2019 2020 bushfires were when I saw the news, I rarely watch the news, but I'd watch the news and um. When I saw the devastation and what it was doing to, well, your part of the world, it, I just, I, I didn't know what to I sat there and froze and I thought, wow, I've got to do something. So I basically, I started up Facebook normally. I called it Insta Koalas or something like that because I was on Instagram. That was right. And then I, I changed it because I then started, I started to adopt Koalas. I, I think I, I adopted Thor in March and I adopted Tali in May. And then I renamed my page Thor and Tali Koalas. Because, I mean, to be fair, it's a much, it's a much more personal thing for me. And it, 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 people do ask who are Thor and Tali and all the time. So I'm like, yeah, they're my first two born, my first two adopted koalas.
0: <laughs> uh, absolutely. Wonderful stuff, mate. And uh, I believe
3: you're continuing to
0: adopt koalas. Is that correct?
3: Yeah, I've adopted so far 42. And I endeavour to collect a lot more. I I I'm, I want to I want to adopt koalas because I want to support them and I want to try and help as much as I can. I give to charities. I give to about five charities every month as well. One of them being Koala Clancy, who plant all the trees. So you know I'm 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 committed. I'll say that. Also,
0: you're very politically active. You now there's an awful lot of people who love to assist koalas and certainly get involved with the rescue, rehabilitation, and release of koalas. But it's to understand what's actually happening is the difficult part. Now, here in Australia, we're battling our local governments, our state governments and our federal governments, yeah. things like climate change, uh, but more so with koalas, it's loss of habitat.
3: Are you getting that image over there in the UK? Yes, there are a few other people that so support me and other um, international um, koala organisations, and like like my one, because I've got and Tardy's. Fall entirely koalas, and I've got KLM Koala Lives Matter, which is a purely a sole um koala group, nothing else goes in there. It's all for koalas and their habitat, of course. But yeah, the amount of times that I've had to construct emails and stuff like that and help people out and you know explain, you know, this is how it needs to go, and it's mainly, mainly, pretty much all, um, habitat loss, all of it.
0: The amazing thing about koalas, they basically only need trees to
3: survive, but they need yeah, those trees. That's correct, yeah. See, the issue I have, right? Apart from one, they are your, they're, they're one of your national icons. And I mean they're, and they're very they're a, they're an important animal. Two, they they live in trees, they converse from tree to tree, they eat eucalyptus leaves. There's no other animal on the planet that does. And they harm no one, they don't give anyone any grief. Yeah, they can be noisy at night. And But wow! So can we? Christ,
0: (laughs) (laughs) Gary. Unless someone's actually heard the call of a male koala
3: on the hunt at night. Yeah, mating season. Woo! uh, Gets a little bit noisy. It is. Yeah. Mate, that's that's a good. That's another reason why I'm glad I live here. Because I mean, yeah. All right. I know. You know what? I'd probably go out there and join them because I am absolutely devoted to what I do with koalas. So yeah. Yeah, Look, something that
0: you posted just recently was a reply uh, regarding the New South Wales strategy plan on koalas. And on the surface, it it looked really good. Government's planning a hundred and something million for this and a hundred and something million for that.
3: Yeah. But there really wasn't a lot of substance in it, was there? No. see, Now, this is is what annoys me, right? They sit there and blurt out about they're going to be given that one of them was 50 million right, based over four years, well, I, I'm sorry, mate, but that's just, that is abysmal. They spend more than that on sports teams and that's, you know, sponsoring sports teams. But the other one was, there's, there was another declaration, we'll call it, of 193 million that they were going to give. And I, I just think, right, well, how much of that are you really going to give and how long is it going to take for you to give it and who are you going to give it to? It's, it's all very well writing this down and that down, but are you going to follow, are you actually going to follow the lead from what you've actually put in you know, in black and white, so to speak.
0: It's where the money goes It seems to be important because some people listening to this radio program over the previous programs have actually voiced some concern that they just don't believe that a state or federal government could be so ineffective when it comes to wildlife. They're shocking, aren't they, mate?
3: Yeah, mate, this is the thing. We're, we're Because the government doesn't do enough for koalas and your wildlife, and that includes the habitat, to be fair, how are they supposed to, how, how are we supposed to believe them? And how are they supposed to think we're going to believe them? I mean, it's just, you know, uh, no, uh, the, mo- the people I've spoke to online have said, we don't trust our government. And I mean, everybody, they just, they've got no faith in the system, I'm afraid.
0: The system itself is a little bit flawed. They've brought in this policy that the government is there to serve their clients. Now, I okay. think a lot of us would think that the conservation department's clients would be the animals. The creatures,
3: absolutely, absolutely. No, I couldn't agree with you more. Absolutely, and that's, I, you know, being, you know, in that job, having that responsibility, you'd think that they'd follow through, you know, do what they say they're going to do, but it, it turns out that half the time, that that doesn't seem to be the case. So people do question their motives and their morals. It's pretty bad.
0: Duck campaigner Laurie Levy pointed out that there is no government department responsible for the care and welfare of no. the animals, the wildlife. It's yeah. left to volunteers um, and 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 people, concerned people internationally, like yourself, to yeah. put pressure on those that are in office.
3: See, my opinion is I think most of the Australians, you know, that have anything to do with wildlife and actually care for wildlife, have given up. Just, they just, because they know they're not going to get any help from the government. And when they do get help, it's, you know, it's, it, it's not a lot, it's measly. So you know, I think people have just basically lost interest and given up. Whereas you know, now with like myself and there's quite a few other, well, there's lots of other international koala groups that you know we we are active. I'm active every day, pretty much all day, and I send emails all the time. And I've weekly lists, I've then I, I I've gone to Facebook and then I you know I integrate with all the other groups and then we get together and we send emails. So you know it combats things.
0: Thank goodness you do. Look, there are many people here in Australia that are doing the exact same thing. But we look, the classic example of this, Gary, is how I first met you, the Gordon koalas in a bluegum plantation. It's a relatively small plantation. There's only four koalas identified as living in that habitat. The environmental consultant recommended that those koalas be relocated before the harvest. They went to the conservation department to apply for a permit to relocate the animals, and the department
3: refused. That is unbelievable. You know, I think we spoke earlier about the the cost of it because they've erected a fence because everybody went. You know, everybody emailed them with their disapproval about how they were just going to do nothing because there's a there's a motorway that goes right next door to it. Okay, so if they're going to clear the blue, the you know the plantation, where are the koalas going to go? Because you know the, the the highways right there, so and they they've got <laughs> koalas don't have road sense, you know it's, it's it's plain as that. So you know they they'd, pro- they'd probably get killed.
0: Already that region is responsible for a large number of koala deaths. That road, rated at 110 kilometres an hour, and it is yep. the major freeway between Melbourne and the major regional city of Ballarat. In fact, wow. uh, the plantation borders right up to the lane. And the only <laughs> natural habitat for the koala within sight of the Blue Gum Plantation is on the opposite side of the freeway.
3: That's right, yeah. I'm, yeah. I've seen, I've done a I've done a bit of research on the actual because um, that highway obviously went through natural koala habitat, so obviously koalas they've got really good sense of smell, and they'll sniff that they'll know where the, they'll know where the trees are from from a mile away at least, but like you say, the relocation factor is the key to this, I and mean, we, we've got to try, we're, we're trying to get them to reconsider you know DwlP are hoping that when they start taking down the trees, the koalas will bugger off. Well, that's, you, know, you know, it's all right kicking people out, but now you want to send them packing as well. Oh, that's, you know, there's no, there's no empathy in that at all.
0: The uh, really worrying part of that is that the koala's natural instinct is not to run, it's to
3: climb up. That's right, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, you know, it's scary. So what are they, I mean, they're going to have, really, I think they should get professionals in there, flag them down, and relocate them. There's a place five kilometres up the road that is absolutely perfect, and it's been given to them. And they said, "Yeah, it's no problem. Just just bring them over here. We'll we'll go in." And actually, I think a bit. There's been volunteers that said, um, arborists, professional um, arborists and animal welfare have said we'll go in. We'll take them down, move um, them to." There's a place five kilometres, and they've said, "No." The only
0: thing that occurred to me is that the Delp the conservation department in this case refused to relocate the animals, although there's only four here and that's an afternoon's work. That's all we're talking about. It would set a dangerous precedent for all the future harvesting of blue gum plantations, because then they'd be required to relocate all those koalas.
3: Yeah. I think, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Rob, because basically, I mean, the government are basically a business, aren't they? So when you've got one, one section of the government saying yeah all right we'll relocate them and all the rest of it you'll have other sections thinking oh you know oh sugar we're going to have to do the same thing when we go and mow their their habitat down we're going to have to do that so they're not going to they're not going to be happy about it if they allow it at all because it's going to set a precedent and it's going to they're going to think it's going to snowball and all they care about is their budget
0: and servicing their clients who in this case are felling
3: trees that's correct yeah the big organizations the big corporations and you know, that kind of industry, they seem to get everything they want. I mean, it's, it's an amazing thing to see, to, to even under, to try and understand how the hell does it mean? It's just like, it's more what, it's like a handshake and dinner and yeah, no problem here, I'll sign that for you. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Gary...
0: When the rest of the world hears these reports about what's going on, as example, these four innocent koalas, yeah. do you think it tarnishes the reputation
3: of Australia? No. I, well, it does, but not all of Australia. They're, I think you know, people know that Australian people are, are you know, very welcome and they're very, really kind people, uh, very territorial, you know? but it's not all Australians, mate. It's, it's, it's just that, that select few. And they, they just so happen to work for the government, so it's um, it's no it's not much different to England to be fair, mate. So do you know yeah. what I mean, <laughs> mate? I, I've never voted, and that's God's honest truth. I haven't, and I know more about the Australian politics than I do English. That's that is. I swear to God, yeah, I've learned more about. I know I've got I've got more emails. I've got none for England, but I've got more emails for Australian politicians from the northeastern board to the southeastern board. I've got them all. Every one of them.
0: It's lovely when you actually get a real reply, though, instead of something from a media uh, release kit, isn't it?
3: Oh, mate, tell me about it. Um, I, I put a post on yesterday, and there was a, a certain MP who had replied to me about a completely different matter this year. And yesterday morning when I was yeah, looking at my emails, as I do, um, I got the same reply for the Ballarat thing. Oh, I I weren't very happy about that. There was, um, you can imagine, I was having having a morning coffee with a load of expletives. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's <laughs> I how I start my mate. day. Yeah, mate, I know, but <laughs> yeah, that really that really did annoy me. I, I put a post on Facebook and I told I put on Facebook exactly how I felt. So it weren't impressive at all. Trying to take us all for idiots, mate, and I'm I'm not going to stand for that. Sorry,
0: it is an important issue in most of Australia, uh, mainland Australia. I mean, they've already declared the koala endangered. Populations have crashed through mainly habitat loss, of course, predation, but mainly habitat loss. There are good colonies uh, on the uh, southern edge, Victoria, South Australia, and the islands offshore, but that's not enough to guarantee
3: the species. No, mate, it's not. You know, it's beggars' belief. Like, you know, like I was discussing with you earlier, the whole side of the Eastern Board, I saw a. Aerial diagram an aerial map of 20 years ago, an aerial map and diagram from 10 years ago, and one of this year, last year. The decimation is, I mean, that is unbelievable. To, I looked at that and I was like, wow. So, I mean, it's, it, it looks like a shoestring now, and it's fragmented to hell. You know, you can't like, like I said to you earlier, if if you want to get from one side to the other, you build a bridge, which I understand. That's fine, but mate don't destroy everything in sight and them with nothing because you know koala like i said koalas don't understand rodents they don't understand the way that humans live they just wander to where they know And if you take that away from them they're going to be in danger every time especially if you put roads through there and stuff like that it's you know it's, it's obvious what's going to happen and that's why the population is in such a rapid decline i mean they've, they've declared They reckon, well, the government, I say they, I mean the government when I say they, have put an outlandish figure out that 2050 is when they will more than likely, you know, be pretty much um, extinct. Well, I've I've worked it out, mate, and I I, no, no, more like 2025, the way things are going.
0: And it doesn't look like improving. Look, your point about the changes to habitat for the koalas, part of the problem is on most of the eastern seaboard, we have a coastal hinterland and it goes straight into mountainous ranges, then the environment completely changes so there's a very thin wedge down that part of Australia of koala habitat and unfortunately it's the exact same habitat that most Australians want to live in so we've got to learn to live with koalas
3: yeah I mean nobody's saying like don't build this don't build that don't you know um, because obviously populations grow unfortunately just not the koalas one because of what us humans are doing to their um, habitat Nobody saying that you can't do this, you can't do that. But it would, you know, what? It would be nice if the koalas and the wildlife would be put into the plan when they're designing all of these these new estates or these new housing estates and stuff like that. Put some wildlife um, wildlife, like you know, underpasses, and overpasses, and things like that, so that they can safely transverse. They'll figure it out. They're not stupid. It's just the fact that they don't do anything. They don't. They build these things and go, oh, should we do this? Should we do that? Should we? You know, they don't. I just build and just leave it there. It's, it's just, it's wrong. It's just completely wrong.
0: Planning issues can be dealt with at a local level. There's no need to involve state and federal governments, but if the state but, and federal governments were to be involved and set a precedent, we could save not just koalas, but provide safety corridors for all our wildlife to move around the country. And unless people like yourself and everyone listening to this program gets involved in some fashion
3: It'll just be status quo. They'll just keep on keeping on. That's right. I mean, at the end of the day, what you've got to look at the the, the amount of decline in comparison to the amount of habitat loss, and it, it, it goes hand in hand. It's like it's like wearing a glove, you know. It's it, when all the like like I said, all the corridors down the eastern board, have, have, they've decimated. They're gone, you know. And with that, serves so the wildlife, serve so koalas. The amount of people that live near these um near, near these wildlife corridors where they've had like it, they're like i call them like link corridors you know yeah. where koalas transverse and they move up and down because they are quite active the people that live there used to say um because you guys your massive backyard <laughs> it's ridiculous <laughs> you, you'll think one of some one person's backyard i saw is like half the size of whales yeah. um but it but it but the thing is you know these people care for wildlife they put out food and they They make stuff for the wildlife so that when they come there and visit, it's, you know, it's nice and they can have a little munch or have a little drink and and they used to hear koalas and they used to say, oh, we used to hear loads of koalas we used to be in our backyard. You speak to them now and they'll say, don't hear any. I haven't seen one for years. And that, to me, is absolutely tragic.
0: Gary, when I was young and living in Melbourne... Now, one of our favourite weekends away was to head up to the Ballarat region and you could stop in any clump of forest and go for a wander and there'd be a good chance you would see native wild koalas in their natural habitat. This become a major tourist attraction for the region. You'd probably have to go to a wildlife park now to see a koala.
3: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, again, that's the amount of times that you'll see posts on Facebook or on social media about exactly that matter where, you know, and everybody says it won't be long before the only place you will see a koala is either in a zoo or a wildlife park. There are none locally. There are none that are in your backyard anymore. There are none up trees just um, around the corner or outside or on parks. You know, it's it's gone. And I just think, you know, you know, like you said, people used to love to go to Australia. They love seeing koalas. And now they're going to go there and see them in zoos and stuff like that. It's just not the same. It's, you know, and it's it's wrong. It's absolutely wrong.
0: And as I said before, if it wasn't for people with kind hearts and a little bit of empathy to help uh, highlight the issues of the koalas, a lot of this would have gone unnoticed because it's being handled by big business in in conjunction with the local and state governments.
3: Yeah, that's correct. I mean, this is another thing, If when you sort of, um, on your, you know, on Facebook, or I'll say social media, when you see that there's um, a proposal for this or a proposal for that, it's normally someone like Lendlease or, you know, another big development uh, corporation that just, they seem to get everything they want. They seem to be able to buy anything they want. And most of the time, and this is what I don't understand, I've always said, Australia is a huge place with more, more land than it needs. So why, why do you want to take out eucalyptus trees or koala trees why you know that's all they eat leave them alone and build somewhere else you know have some like i say have some compassion have some empathy use your brain it's you know your developers develop something but develop it elsewhere
0: i'm not opposed to development i'm not opposed to business But I am opposed to those issues when it involves the deaths of wildlife. It'd be very easy in planning schemes to allow adequate wildlife corridors, and especially for koalas, to to actually transverse the open fields in safe corridors to reach native habitat. It seems an easy solution.
3: Yeah, I was going to say, you know, um, 400, it was 400 metres or 400 yards was supposed to be um, the minimum corridor width for a koala now it's gone down to 250 i mean that uh, you know i know it sounds a lot but it, it really isn't especially when you have a colony of koalas and koalas need a lot of space because they the males fight they are territorial very territorial you know it's it, it's just really really sad you know when you learn oh they're, they're cutting away another 150 meters or 150 yards and you think why well you can't, you can't leave that alone and just move your plan a little bit further away i mean really it's just so, it really it infuriates me when I read things like this. And I think they've got no chance. They've got absolutely no chance at this rate. People can get in contact
0: with you, see what's happening, and look for the latest yeah. info because it's, there's a lot of good info there, as well as contacts with other international organisations involved with the koala
3: issue. We've got to save them. We've got to, we've got to do something about this because, you know, if we don't, mate, you're not going to see them anymore. And, and they're not even in my country, but I, from here... It's, it's massively tragic. And, you, you know, they're such a beautiful animal. So, you know, if any, you know, the people that listen to this, you know, if you want to hear anything, please, you know, contact me on Facebook and I'm more than happy to point you in the right direction. Gary, thank you very much for your time. You're welcome, Rob, mate. Take these, mate. Have a good day. Speak to you soon. Links to our
0: guests tonight will be posted on the Aussie Animal Show's site.
2: Thank you for listening. Take care of our wildlife.